pursue the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God, and you may be seated. Now, I am one of those types of individuals that when I receive a gift, I really take time in removing the wrapping. I never just rip the paper off and the ribbon off and throw it off to the side and go. I always go to the end of the package and very carefully remove it and, un and, and undo that. And my wife and children get so aggravated at me Christmas time or birthday and they give me a gift and I go through that process and I remove the ribbon and the bowl and lay it aside that we might save it if my wife would like to and, and pull the... you. Know, I enjoy the process. It's not just the attaining what's inside of that package that really intrigues me, but it's the process of the getting and receiving and opening the package and the mysteriousness, I guess, of, the, of, of really not knowing what's in there, but they usually don't trick me. I usually already know. Another aggravating aspect of that to them. But nonetheless, it's the process of receiving that gift, and that's all part of the process. Amen? So with that, I always take my time and I, I, I wrap it very carefully. Uh, my wife at times, she could probably take the paper and reuse it again on something else. I open them that way. Hallelujah. If you knew the gift of God, if you really knew the gift that has been given to you by Almighty God, you would probably, in many aspects, approach it in that same manner. You would want to savor every moment of the receiving the gift and the process of receiving that gift. Amen. At Christmas time around our house, we give our gifts out to one another, expressing our love and our, and, and our thoughtfulness to those who, who we love. And I will always take mine and set them aside and Till everybody else is in, in, in our family is done, the grandchildren have opened their gifts, and, and, of course, and, and my wife, she always waits. We, we enjoy watching them receive the gift, and hopefully that they somehow enjoy what we have uh, put some effort and some energy and some time in thinking. Would, would, they, would they really want this? Would they really like this? Would they, would they be able to use what we have given to them? As Jesus enters into Samaria, he's in the throes of his ministry and, and, and folks are beginning to gather around him and he makes it a point to travel through Samaria and a place called Sychar near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son back many centuries prior to that and he gave to his son Joseph and uh, it was there that we find that Jacob's well was there that he had given to his son. And, and Jesus being tired, and he, he, was, he was human, although he was God in flesh, he was still had to deal with the human aspects and frailties and all that went along with being a human being. And he was tired and weary in his journey. And he goes there to the well that Jacob gave to Joseph, and he sits down, and he just there resting, and Along comes this Samaritan woman, and uh, she comes to the well and to draw water. And I don't know whether she was feeding livestock or whether she had come to draw water to take back to her 
home. I don't know what the uh, 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 situation surrounding her coming to the well, but it was about the sixth hour of the day, getting pretty close to midday. And she approaches the well to draw water, and Jesus asks her, would you mind dipping into the well and, and giving me some fresh water? And, and uh, the disciples had gone away into town, and they had gone to the supermarket, and they were picking up some food and some supplies for their for their journey, for their, they had no idea where they would go next, but their, their provisions had run low and it was, they needed to go in and restock. You know, you know how that is. And they had gone to town and Jesus said to the woman, or, or the, the woman, she rather, she looks at Jesus and she recognizes his heritage. She knows that he is a Jew and she looks at him and asks him, what, I don't understand. You, you folks generally will not have any dealings with us Samaritans. And, and she was rather perplexed and confused at the fact that Jesus would, to this Samaritan woman, ask her to give him a drink of water. And, and understanding that, she says to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me? said, Which am a woman of Samaria. She said, You, you, you obviously know that, that the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Amen. For the sake of clarification, let me just share with you a little bit of historical information that will give you a little clearer picture of this dialogue that Jesus and this Samaritan woman is having. You see, the city of Samaria was the Old Testament capital of the northern kingdom. You, you remember uh, some months ago, Brother David was teaching concerning the northern and the southern kingdoms and how they'd split and, and, and so forth and so on. And Samaria was the Old Testament capital of the northern kingdom. And Herod the Great had completely rebuilt this particular city about but somewhere between 30 and 20 B.C. And he named it Sebaste. And it is to this city that Philip also, you find in the book of Acts, takes the gospel. In fact, Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 20. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And he drank from this well and his children drank from this well and his flocks drank from this well and his children's flocks drank from this well and you're telling me you can give me living water? Jesus responds to the Samaritan woman with this question. He said, you know, here's something you need to understand. And, we, you know, the Bible doesn't give us her name. It just refers to her as a Samaritan woman. But he says to this Samaritan woman, you see, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again you, you're going to draw water now and by evening time if you've used up all of the water you have taken back home you're going to come again and you're going to draw water from this well and that's the natural cycle and uh, we we go out and we get we, we do, get active and we get thirsty and there's nothing that quenches our thirst like a good drink of water there's nothing, and, and it'll quench our thirst for a time until we become thirsty again, and we go to the refrigerator, and we get our bottle of Dasani out again, and we pop the cap, and we drink it down, and we go about our business, and the next thing you know, we're back in there again getting another drink of water. And this is, in essence, what Jesus is telling to the Samaritan woman. You're going to come back again, and again, and again, and again. Amen? You're going to thirst again. But he says something here to her that sparks her interest. He said, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Will never thirst again. And follow this now because it seems somewhat 
uh, you know, a little bit uh, contradictory if you don't really consider all that Jesus said. He said, but whosoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him. Now, now notice what happens. The water that Jesus, the gift that God gives to us will become a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The well moves inside of us, if you will. It takes up residence within us, if you will. Amen. What a, what a gift. What a gift. He said, the water that I will give you will become in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life or into eternal life as one translation puts it. It will be a fountain. It will be there forever. It will not be something you have to leave your home and come down here to this well at Jacob. But in your prayer closet, wherever you may be, you'll be able to draw water from this well that will springing up within you into everlasting life. Amen? The psalmist declared... Many centuries ago. In fact, let me, before I get to that, Jesus said in one place, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, what's going to happen? Out of his belly, or out of his inner being, if you will, will flow rivers of living water. Amen. Remember, it's still in there. I checked just before I come out of my office this morning. It's still in the book. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And Jesus here has told the Samaritan woman, he said, the water that I shall give you, he, you, you know, if you drink, you shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. What a gift. What a gift. And the beauty of this thing is God designed this gift from the foundation of the world. He began to wrap this gift. He began to put the ribbons and the bows and all the beautiful things on this gift from the foundation of the world. Amen. From the very beginning of time, He had you in mind. He's seen you and He wants to give you the greatest gift of all. And that is a well of water springing up within inside of you unto everlasting life. And we all know, I think everyone here has is, is, is been around long enough to know that that well of water that He's making reference to is symbolic of God's Holy Spirit abiding and dwelling within us. Amen? Now, back to the psalmist. Many centuries ago, prior to this exchange here with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, the psalmist penned a very beautiful song regarding his desire and his hunger and his thirst to come into the presence of God. He made this analogy that is so profound in Psalms chapter 42 verses 1 and 2 as I we direct your thoughts and your minds to there. He no doubt is going through one of those. You ever go through one of those times when you just, you, you know God is near and you, you, you've been his child forever so long and you, you know his presence is all around and there's no denying that you've anchored yourself in that truth, but yet you find yourself sometimes looking around wondering, God, where, you know, I really, I really don't feel that astounding presence that, that, 
I have felt in the past. Said, I know you're here, but yet, uh, you know, and David was going through one of these times. He loved God. He knew God. He believed in God. And he just really, but he says as the heart or as the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He said that, you know, as that deer longs for and pants after and will go for miles to find that fresh brook of water. He said, that's the way I hunger for you, oh God. That's the way I thirst for you. I want to come into, as, as that deer will, will go to any lengths to find that fresh brook of water. He said, my soul panteth my soul after thee, oh God. Your thirst for God will never become satisfied until you seek for Him, until you long for Him, until you will make up your mind as the psalmist did. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee. He said, I want more of God. Amen. He said, my soul thirsteth for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? David is saying, it's been a while. It's been a while since I have basked in his divine presence and the Shekinah glory of his power. It's, it's been a while since I have really just been submerged in his divine glory and power. When, when can I again come into the presence of God? Amen. Hallelujah. If you knew the gift of God. He said to the woman, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me for living water. You would ask me to give you that water that will be a well springing up into everlasting life. Amen. Friend, if there was ever a day we needed that well of living water springing up within us. It's the hour we live today. Amen? Now, please don't misunderstand. I, I don't attempt by any means to use any kind of fear tactics whatsoever. We don't have to fear in God. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm one of those optimistic type of people. As long as we have God, everything will be all right. I thought somebody did just get a little excited on that one. As long as we have the presence of God in our life, regardless of what happens in society, everything will be all right. Amen. I know there's folks wondering what's going to happen when the housing market crisis, what are we going to do? There's folks wondering, my God, what's going to happen if the market continues to plummet? I'm telling you, child of God, you're going to be just fine. Hallelujah. In Isaiah chapter 12, <clears throat> Isaiah prophesied Israel at a time when they were facing some of their most dark and bleakest moments, a time prior to their captivity and a time when it seemed that all hope was gone and there was nothing else to look forward to and Things were turning bleak and dreary, and he speaks to them about the righteous reign of the branch of Jesse. He begins to tell them that there's a Savior 
going to come on the scene at some point in time in history, Israel, and he's going to be your deliverer. There's going to come forth a rod, a stem out of the root of Jesse. You remember him writing about those things, but in the 12th chapter, he said, there's going to come a day, he said, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. He said, now understand this, Israel. He said, therefore, with joy, you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah looked down through the tunnel of time, through the direction and anointing of God's Holy Spirit, and he's seen a day when God's people would draw from the joy from the wells of salvation. Amen. I'm still talking about, do you really know the gift of God? Hallelujah. Do you really know what it is that He is offering to you and I? He's offering to be more than just a Savior. I know it says, you know, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's all wonderful and good and you better put your hope and your anchor in that. But He wants to be more than just that. He wants to be your constant companion. He wants to be your friend. He wants to not just abide alongside of you, but He wants to abide within you. He wants to be that well of water springing up into everlasting life. He wants to be that place that you can take the bucket and the rope and drop that bucket way in in the days when you're away from everybody around the church and you need a little fresh water and you can throw that bucket off into the well and draw water up. Amen. Amen. He wants to be more than just a passing acquaintance. He, he wants to be more than just the one you know is the one who created the heavens and the earth. He, he wants to give you a gift like no other gift, and that is His abiding in His presence within your living being. Amen. He said, with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day, you shall say, praise the Lord, call upon His name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. And then he goes on to say, you know, you need to, when that day comes, he said, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. The, the, uh, the prophet continued on to say, cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Now I realize from a theological standpoint and from a theological perspective that he is primarily uh, prophesying here to Israel's recovery, to their redemption, to their once again receiving of the Lord, but it is applicable to everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior and receives the gift that He has given to us. Now remember this. It is imperative on our part to receive the gift. Amen? If my wife and children or whatever give me any gifts on Tuesday for my birthday, it's my choice. A little hint there. You see, a little, little. They need to step it up. And my, my sons will say, how do you get somebody something that has everything? It's my choice 
whether I receive the gift or not. Now, just because I open the gift does not necessarily mean I have received it. You see, if it's something perhaps that I'm not too thrilled about or I don't necessarily like, if it's an ugly tie, I may hang it on my tie rack and never put it around my neck. That means I didn't receive the gift. Oh, it's hanging in the closet. But when I receive that gift, if, I, if it's a beautiful tie and it really looks good with something I wear, man, I'll, I'll, I'll wear it properly. I have received that gift. Amen. When my wife... Buys me one of those nice golf clubs I want so bad. And, whew, you can bet I'll receive that gift. and You'll find me out there trying my best to whack away. One of those, but it's our choice whether or not, if I didn't like it, if it wasn't useful, I could stand it up over and How many of y'all have got stuff? Now be honest. Now how many of y'all have got stuff stuck away somewhere in a hiding place in your house that somebody gave you that really... Come on now. Come on. Confession's good for the soul. Next time you look in that closet, oh man. There's that time. There did. It'll be under the blood. But you never receive a gift. Amen? It's our choice. Jesus is saying to the Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift, you would ask me for that living water. Not just a fresh drink that will quench our thirst for a moment, but he said, I have a gift that if you will receive it, will be a gift that will be in you a well of water springing up into ever." Lasting life. That when you go through the dry and parched seasons of life and in the times when, when, when things seem difficult, you can, with joy, you can draw water from the wells of salvation. But it's up to you whether or not you receive it. Amen. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, Sir, I sure do like what I hear. You have sure piqued my interest. Would you give me this water? Give me this water so that I won't thirsty and have to keep coming out here to draw water every day. She was still having a little trouble getting over the natural aspect. She was still had a Jacob's will in her mind, but slowly but surely it was sinking in. Of course, we know the dialogue. Jesus said, her, you go, go call your husband, coming." And she said, uh, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have answered it rightly. You don't have a husband. You've had how many husbands? You've had five husbands and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. Boy, you talk about a revealing indictment. And the woman said, you know, I perceive that you're a prophet. 
And they went on to talk about worship a little bit and how their fathers worshiped in this mountain. You say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship, and that's her response to him. And, but Jesus has said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh and now is, and, and, and when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He said, You worship. He said, You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. In other words, salvation was going to come to humanity through the portal of the Jewish nation. Everybody go like this. Amen. But he said, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship them. And he said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must thirst after the gift. We must desire not to just unwrap the gift and see its grandeur and, and all that it is, but we must take the gift and we must receive it. Amen. We must let it become part of who we are and make us what we are. Amen. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying today? It's not just enough David said, you know, I don't want to just, you know, kind of, kind of pass by this thing, but I want to come in to your presence, oh God. Do you really know and comprehend and understand the gift of God? He doesn't want to just abide at your house. He wants to abide in you, with you, through you, and for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this. This past year for Christmas, my wife bought me a new laptop computer for Christmas. Well, her not knowing too much about computers and that, that sort of thing, she had me go out prior Christmas and pick out the one I wanted to buy. You know, she made me wrap that, she wrapped that box up, that empty box. I got the laptop. You know, as soon as I got it, there's no way I was going to leave it, you know, there at the house until Christmas. That just unheard of. And I, I, she, she bought me a gift, man. There was no way. I wanted it. I wanted to get on it. I wanted to use it. I wanted to get it all set up. And she went ahead and wrapped that box and put it under the Christmas tree and made me open it. And I knew it was empty. But the thrill of receiving the gift, even though I had already had it, it kind of refreshed and renewed but the feeling I had the moment that I brought this gift home. She had saved her bonus money and thought enough of me that knowing that I wanted this, she made sure I had it. How often do we come into the presence of God? We worship as we have here this morning, and the gift is in the house. We've seen a glimpse of the gift. We have felt a touch and a presence of the gift, but we have never really embraced it. 
and said, this is a gift for me for all time, for now, and for always. I ask you this morning, do you really know the gift of God? Have you really sought after? I'm not encouraging you to seek after something or some experience or some emotional high. I'm asking you to seek after God. Well, I did. Do it again. Do you really know? You see, we must thirst for God. We must seek after God. Just seeking for some experience will not satisfy. You see, for God is God is spirit and God is always and He's always been. And the God of the Old Testament, as I've already mentioned, is the God of the New Testament. And just as David thirsted after God, I must thirst after Him. I remember Sister Cook some years ago singing a chorus that says, I want more of Jesus. I want more and more. I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before. I want more of His great love so rich, so full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'm going to give Him more of me. As you stand, I ask you one more time, do you really know the gift of God? The gift of His holy presence and His power is here in this place to fill you, to move in with you, to dwell in you, to become a part of who you are, to become a part of all that you will ever be. If you will receive the gift in its completeness and in its entirety. We can't have the gift in portions. We must receive it in its entirety, completely without reservations. I don't want just a portion of God. I want all of God that can fit within this mortal being. Amen? I want all of God that can be housed within this mortal being. I ask you today, do you really know the gift of God? If you don't, I invite you today to come and to receive, to take the gift and open it and to take it home with you. The infilling and presence of His Holy Spirit like never, ever before is yours today for the heavy. Hallelujah. As we sing, with those of you who would like to pray, we invite you to gather in this morning to come and pray and renew your friendship and your acquaintance and your love for Almighty God. Shall you see?
time that we have said something to challenge you, open your heart, invite you to seek Him like you ever have before. Where I came from, we had a lot of deer. And those deer, when they got thirsty, would jump over tall fences, run for miles to get to that fresh brook of water. They'd get the scent. The fresh water was somewhere off in a certain direction. They would find that water. Oftentimes at the back of my dad's place, we would find where they would jump in with the horses over the fence and in with the horses to get to that fresh water. Don't let anything keep you. Don't let anything keep you from getting to that fountain of living water. Nothing. There's nothing worth it. They'll deer will dart in front of cars crossing the roads to try to get to that next place of fresh water. So this morning I challenge you one last time. Do you really know the gift of God? He said it'll be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And when you're thirsty, you don't have to go far because the well is right there. <laughs> I said the well is right there. Hallelujah. We won't belabor you any longer. We do want to remind you of our evening service at 6 p.m. We invite you to come back tonight for a great time of worship and celebration. And uh, <clears throat> have a great time of the Lord. Amen. Next Sunday, due to an appointment I have on Monday, I will not be here. Bishop Goldsberry will be taking care of the services next weekend. So be kind to him. Be nice to get in there and charge it on, will you? And uh, uh, you, you'll have a great time. I know he'll just do a phenomenal job preaching next weekend. So God bless you. Come back tonight. Let's have a great time in the Lord. And uh, God is good. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's good to see Brother and Sister Woods with us again. Hallelujah. Brother Woods, in fact, would you dismiss us in prayer?